0: This is the Fertile Mindset podcast where we explore all the emotional aspects of fertility to support you on your path to parenthood. My name is Sarah Holland. I'm the Fertile Mindset coach and a mother to two children after my own fertility challenges. I hope you find all the support and inspiration you need within this podcast to carry you forward on your fertility journey towards your own successful outcome. It's also my wish that through listening to these episodes, you rediscover how to enjoy life now. And live it to the full while you wait for your baby now let's begin today's episode hello and welcome to another new episode of the fertile mindset podcast now, I love to invite some very special guests onto the podcast from time to time. And I especially love sharing inspiring fertility stories with you because I know how helpful it can be to hear other stories and experiences of their fertility treatment, especially when they share what it was really like for them and how they coped with the most difficult aspects of it all. So today, I'm really pleased to be sharing a chat with you that I had with Hannah Vaughan Jones, where we talked about her experience of having many many rounds of IVF and how she supported herself through this time. Hannah is a journalist and a news presenter with CNN, and both her and her husband, Lewis Vaughan Jones, who's also a news presenter, they're both used to being in the public eye with their work, and there was a point during their fertility treatment when they decided to go public with their personal life too. In our chat, Hannah talks about when and why they chose to do this, and also how it's now led to her fertility advocacy and support of the fertility community, which is how we first came to meet a couple of months ago in my Fertile Mindset room on Clubhouse. I hope that you enjoy listening to our conversation, and if you'd like to keep in touch with Hannah, you can do that on Instagram and Twitter, where you'll find her at H. Vaughan Jones. I'll put the link to these on the podcast episode page, which you can find at fertilemindset.com slash podcast. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining me today here on the podcast. It's so lovely to have you here. How are you?
1: I'm really well. Thank you very much for inviting me on. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be here. So yeah, today's a good day and I'm looking forward to our chat.
0: Wonderful, good. And yeah, we first met on Clubhouse, didn't we? The new Clubhouse app, Um, probably a couple of months ago now when Clubhouse was quite new and everyone was discovering it. And I remember you coming into our fertility room and speaking about your own personal journey which obviously we're going to talk about more now as well Uh and I was really interested to hear you know how you coped in that time and how you balanced work and how actually work was very supportive for you Mm. alongside going through IVF so there's there's going to be lots for us to dig into and I think it's so helpful to hear a story like yours and and thank you so much for sharing it with the world literally as you have been very public haven't you with your story
1: yeah it it wasn't just a kind of a completely selfless um, process of (laughs) of sharing Um, lots of people people have since said, oh, you're so brave and so courageous and, and all the rest of it, which is lovely to hear. And and I'm sure to an extent it's true. Um, but actually, for me, um, broadcasting and sharing was the most cathartic part of the whole kind of fertility journey, really. Um, it, it's it helped me gain some control back of a a situation rather that was rapidly spiralling so I'm sure we'll get into that a bit more but um yeah very very happy to, to to talk about it and reflect on things that we went through and and perhaps hopefully help someone else who might be in the midst of it all at the moment. Thank you.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I think it would be great to hear a little bit about your story. First of all, um, what it involved, I often say in a nutshell, and I know it's really hard to put your whole fertility story um, in a brief nutshell, but that would be interesting to hear kind of what your process was. And then also, when and why, you know, did, at what point did you make that decision to be more public? And I know you, you um, had articles in the press, plus you had your amazing video blog of a, a full IVF cycle as well. Mm. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about
1: your journey. Well, I'll try and put it in a nutshell, but if only it did fit into one. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was uh, sort of the scars of, of the last decade, really will kind of stay with me for, forevermore, no doubt. But mm. essentially, we started trying, uh, my husband and I started trying for a baby uh, just before we were, we were married. Yeah. <laughs> And, and then it took six, seven years for us to actually get to a, a positive outcome. And our son, uh, Sunny, who is now nearly 18 months. Um, but essentially we started off just trying as you normally do and um, realized after a while that that something wasn't happening or it wasn't working. Did the usual checks with the NHS and with the GP and sent for some kind of initial investigations, examinations. And um, we got what is, I think now, a very common diagnosis of unexplained infertility which um is the most infuriating uh, diagnosis i think you can mm. you can get because you're it's a non-diagnosis really isn't it you can't even exactly. call it a diagnosis yeah and i think because it's a, it's such a massive uh, industry and you know it's such a wonderful medical science this sort of it's only 40 years old um ivf but it, uh it, the the fact that there was so little known about the big things and we were asking for specifics about you know the little things with us Um, and it was a very it was an immediately a very vulnerable um exposing kind of environment to walk into especially for two journalists going into an environment where we're used to asking questions and demanding kind of quite you know well certainly factual and succinct answers and they just weren't available to us so we ended up uh assuming that our IVF would work because I think well certainly in my case back then in the sort of you know whenever it was eight nine years ago now um I had heard a lot about IVF I would heard that it was a really grueling experience but my only uh understanding of it was that eventually it worked I hadn't ever um, considered the fact that it this med- this miracle science sometimes didn't work So we went into uh, the NHS system uh, in the UK. We were allowed one round of treatment on the NHS, um, which is very much a postcode lottery, depending on where you live. Um, And I assumed it would work. So we didn't tell anyone. I I was very much kind of of the mindset that uh, we're successful, lucky um, people. And um, this will just be part of our success story. Mm -hmm. The fact that we will tell people once we've overcome this one round of treatment, Um, the fact that we you know we succeeded and yay for us with our miracle bump and baby um the first round of treatment didn't work and we quickly went into the private sector then as well uh and the to, to try and aim for this nutshell we ended up going through I think it was four clinics in the end and in total, 15 rounds of treatment. Now, for those who are already going through IVF, um, people will know that there are various um, stages of treatment. There's, there's um, the f- sort of fresh stimulation where essentially you do all the injections and you have all the hormones put into you. And it's all about collecting as many eggs as possible um, from the follicles. Uh, so I, w- I think I pro- probably went through about 10 rounds of stimulation treatment. Some of those rounds of treatment then ended up in um, embryos being transferred, which is a which is a, you know, another part of the treatment cycle other rounds ended up in uh, uh, aiming for frozen transfers as well frozen embryos being transferred um, and so overall it was 15 and four clinics and an unknown number of consultants and goodness knows how many times I have lain down on a on a bench and <laughs> had my leg my legs flung open and and uh, that horrible device just sort of shoved up while someone has a little look to see what's going on in my uh, on my ovaries. Um, and uh, very, very harrowing. And, and sadly, we had one chemical pregnancy in the middle of all of that. And it was after the chemical pregnancy that we decided that we would um, sort of open up to the world about it because it was really only our mums who knew. And we, we were starting to withdraw from our social lives. Um, because there were friends that we didn't feel that we could be around. I certainly didn't feel I could be around because I wasn't a mum and I, I didn't have you know kids their age. Um, and it was just starting to crumble a bit. And we just thought, actually, let's take a grip of this. We've just gone through a chemical pregnancy. We thought this was going to be our one because we'd had that positive test. Um, and I wrote an article for The Times and, I th- and then we quickly did the IVF diary, our IVF diary on YouTube. And that was documenting our, 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 I think, seventh or eighth round of treatment. Um, and that ended up in a positive. I, I it was a, I, well, I was pregnant at the end of it and then very sadly had a missed miscarriage at about 10 weeks. Um, and I think that was the beginning of 2018. Um, and then after that, goodness knows how many more um, frozen transfers and all the rest of it. Um, and eventually we got to the point where... My egg reserve was running very low, Um, having been quite high because I have polycystic ovaries. um, I don't have the syndrome, so fortunately I'm lucky that I don't suffer from too much sweating or or body hair and things like that, but... um, I had always produced a lot of eggs. And as we were getting towards the end of our treatment, it was becoming apparent that obviously I was getting older. And, um, but my egg reserve was, was, had really kind of like fallen off a cliff from mm. about th- age of, the age of 37 onwards, which I, apparently is quite standard. Um, and we were having to start thinking about how, how do we get through this? Because we knew we wanted to be parents, but we had no control over the IVF system um, or the outcome. And so we decided that we know what the goal is and so we'll shift the goalposts. And for us, that was, should we consider donor conception, which we never would have considered earlier on in the treatment, but we'd got to the point where we were running out of options and we knew for our our choice in life was to have a family. So uh, we were thinking about adoption and donor conception and all sorts of things. And then um, pure luck. Um, I don't know why there was no magic ingredient. I don't really believe in the kind of, magic ingredient kind of (laughs) uh, mindset I suppose that some people think like what was the thing that you did that was different in the round Mm. that actually worked um it was just luck um and maybe because we had you know I was feeling more positive about things because I thought this last embryo that we've got of our own um uh genetics this last embryo is almost certainly not going to work because it's a really you know, poorly graded embryo. It's been frozen for the last six months. Um, it might not even survive the thawing process, et cetera, et cetera. And we found a clinic in Barcelona. We were very, very set on the idea of going and creating beautiful Spanish babies, <laughs> um, double donor, donor egg, and donor sperm. And somehow, and for some reason, uh, Sonny, our little boy, stuck. And um he was born in December twenty nineteen. So yes, he's sort of 18 months now.
0: Oh, well, a belated, congratulations. I know Thank it's 18 you. months ago, but it never goes away, does it? That feeling of no. of yeah, what you've been through and and the wonderful, wonderful outcome at the end. And isn't that interesting? You were saying there about, you know, this was our very last embryo. You already had your plan B kind of planned out. You knew we were gonna go off to Spain and yeah. and that seemed to be the obvious next step. So I guess you didn't really have any
1: expectations. On this last, perhaps a little bit of the pressure was off even. I don't know. Did you absolutely. feel that way? Oh, mm. absolutely. As soon as we had decided that donor conception was a realistic option for us and some it, it was it was like the weight of the world just lifted off our shoulders. Um, I was almost excited Uh, well I was excited about treatment I was excited about going to Barcelona and trying something that meant our odds were so much better because all the way through IVF um, we were constantly told you know if you do this extra add on treatment you've got an extra 2% chance of something working and you know you're in the really low category here and you're getting older and basically the odds are constantly being stacked against you and I think one of the hardest things about infertility is that as you normally in life if you work at something hard enough you will gradually get closer to the end goal or you'll 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 get better with each go or something like that if you're studying for an exam or something with infertility your odds don't get better with each treatment you might learn a bit more about yourself and have a few more facts available to you Um, but essentially you go back to square one and that's so demoralizing um, especially for someone who's as impatient as I am (laughs) and used to being successful and and failure was just has never been something that I sit comfortably with um, and I wasn't really prepared to acknowledge that this was you know in my life path that I was going to have to deal with this massive failure that was a natural kind of the natural milestone for you know for for, for women since the beginning of time that wasn't going to be a, um, a, available to me without a lot of hard work and a lot of heartache so it was, um, it, was a, it was a long, long process and donor conception, even though we didn't have to go down that route in the end, definitely kind of made me think, wow, I can, I can still be a mum. It might not be in the way I imagined it, but I can still be a mum. That's my choice and, I, and it will happen. Yeah, it's, I know for me as well, it was supportive for me to have that mindset. And mine always
0: came out in my mind as some way, somehow, someday, Mm. I will be a mother. I don't know what that looks like yet. I can't imagine what it looks like yet. Because, you know, who knows, we're not in control of that, are we? But, but yeah, it keeps keeps that connection, doesn't it to that that dream and that belief that it will happen and helps you find the right, you know, the right clinics, the right treatments Mm. and whatever you need along the way. And gosh, over the years, and, and how many cycles you went through, and of course, you did your blogging um and I watched every every video of those back to back because it's such a roller coaster that that we go on with you all the emotions of it all um and you said how you kept busy that's how we we talked originally in clubhouse is that you just kept busy you kept busy with work during that time um, yeah and it was it was supportive for you to do that I know in the video it showed you I think you were post positive pregnancy test but you weren't yet knowing whether you were going to miscarry or not and you were still injecting medication and you're doing it you know have been being live on tv yeah you're in the same <laughs> the same red dress i think injecting yourself you know backstage so
1: i know the how, poor how makeup you... artists who had to sort of witness me kind of like injecting myself in, in between oh. breaks yeah,
0: gosh. <laughs> um, how, how did that really work for you then what was that like to be well, working like, really hard alongside all of this treatment
1: well it was a relief it was a huge relief i i really um um i'm, I'm always surprised when people say that they've um they've wanted they've quit their job or they've just completely Parked everything to focus just on IVF. I understand it um, in that you know it, it is very grueling. Um, obviously, it's often very time-consuming as well because when you go for treatment, often the clinics will say, "Well, I need you to be you know on call to potentially come back in forty-five minutes' time or two hours' time." So obviously, it's very difficult to hold down a, a job with that kind of environment. But for me, I, I suppose, and because my job is as a news presenter, I was performing. And that is a part of my role, and I was crumbling in my personal life. I was I felt really vulnerable. I felt exposed. I felt silly. I was embarrassed. All of these kind of emotions were going on that were just sort of chipping away at my self esteem. Yet, when I went into work in my work environment, I put my dress on. I had my makeup done. I was, um, you know, a successful professional woman. And that's something that I think I, I desperately needed. I needed to feel like I was still succeeding in something uh, in life. And so going into work, going into the studio and being able to perform, it was essentially like being the best version of myself. Like no one cares that I can't have kids um, You know, in this particular role. I'm, I'm talking about US politics or whatever it might be. And it was a, a, a wonderful escape from the reality of my life. Um, so I, I worked really hard and um, enjoyed the success of it. Similarly with, you know, f- to work, I, I also exercise quite a lot. I mean, sometimes, obviously, you, you, if you're in the middle of treatment, there are certain things that they advise you not to do. Um, and, and maybe you're just not physically able to, to run. I mean, certainly there were times when I was waddling around with kind of like <laughs> two enormous bunches of grapes on each oh, yes. ovary. <laughs> and, and you just can't um, walk far or fast. But um, again, it was that feeling of um, needing to achieve something. So be it going going into work and doing a good job or going for a short run or taking the dog for a walk or whatever it might be, um, that was all absolutely essential for me getting through the reality of you know the brutality of treatment Mm.
0: yeah and like you said it's an escape and a break from it all but also it's it's keeping you connected with who you really are isn't it along the way you know what is important to you outside of the fertility journey because it's all encompassing isn't it? it can take over completely and I think that is important to have that element of still having our own identity, isn't it? And we're not just a fertility patient, you know, there is more to our life and keeping that thread going through.
1: We're all multifaceted. And I think that's, that is really important. I mean, anyone who's gone through any kind of uh, fertility treatment will tell you that it will, it stays with you forever. It shapes who you are, but it is not who all that you are, you know? And And I think that's been, it's something that I'm still grappling with now as I'm sort of, you know, into this sort of next phase of motherhood and I've got a toddler, um, I, and I'm sort of working and all the rest of it, it it's um, it, it's difficult to kind of like um, balance out all of the very different features of my life, it, be it my home life, my marriage, my friendships, my mum, my, you know, all these sorts of things and, and my work as well. Um, you can't do everything at 100%, but it's about being the best version of yourself and showing up in the best way you can for all of those Needs the and and demands on
0: mm-hmm. on,
1: on who you are, so um, and you know a lot of IVF as well as people will know it's it's a lot of waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting and the unknown as well. So it's not like you're just waiting, thinking, oh well, at least in two weeks' time I'll you know I'll I'll have a a positive outcome it's um it's agonizing the waiting and mm. i think anything to keep busy in that time was um was really crucial for me yeah there's a lot of space to fill there isn't there which can be filled in other
0: ways by over researching and overthinking and trying to do like absolutely everything to support Mm. your fertility and I think that's a place where a lot of us end up Um, so yeah having work as a focus I can imagine yeah helps to keep a a healthier balance. Mm. I wanted to talk to you as well about that you know because when you've been through 15 rounds of treatment and you know I'm sure gone through all kinds of different recommendations and protocols for treatment like you say different clinics along the time as well Um, and we know there are so many other things that are out there that are recommended to support fertility, lots of different complementary therapies and supports and nutrition and so on. How did that play a part for you? Because I've heard you speak about this before. And mm. um, it's really interesting yeah, to hear your approach to all those therapies, having been such a long term kind of IVF patient. How did that work?
1: Well, I struggled with it a lot because I, I that, that feeling of um, needing to um, overturn, overturn my entire world, you know, mm-hmm. not have any chemicals in my cleaning products and change my makeup in case there was something in there that was affecting my reproductive systems, you know. Um, it, all of these things, I mean, uh, I basically took the approach that I will, of course, uh, take a look at my diet and do whatever I can. If that means eating some Brazil nuts or having some beetroot juice or whatever it might be, then I'll, I'll of course, do all of that. But I'm not going to deny myself everything that i like because my life is already turned upside down and um and the the, the problem that that comes with that though is that once you set your own boundaries for what you're comfortable with and how you can still exist and live with whilst you're going through treatment um other people then often completely well-meaning, will then suggest, you know, have you have you tried this guy? Have you been to that place? Have you done acupuncture? Have you done reflexology? Have you been hypnotized? There are a billion options out there. Um, sometimes they, and sometimes they will work for some people. And I basically um, settled on the view that there is, you know, if someone did have the, so say magic ingredient, you know, they would be a billionaire and we wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't require joe blogs down the road kind of like just turning around saying well have you seen so and so from from this town um you know they they would be that famous Mm -hmm. and successful if it was a miracle cure or treatment and as a result i just think that whilst when some people say this you know i got pregnant because i had reflexology and i don't think I just think that that's um, a nice narrative for them, but it's not true. Um, and I don't mean that in an aggressive or in a demeaning way. I, I, what I mean is that it, there is a correlation between having acupuncture and getting pregnant, for example, but there is no causation. It's not, your pregnancy hasn't been caused because of the acupuncture that you've had. So I, um, the only sort of additional complementary therapy, I suppose, that I um, did use quite regularly through all the treatment was acupuncture. And I don't actually use it now and I hadn't used it before. Um, But for me, acupuncture was about sleeping. (laughs) It was my opportunity to stop for a bit and relax and uh, and have a 25-minute sleep on, on the couch. Um, and for me, that relaxed me enough to give me a, a more positive mindset. When I left that room um, and went back out into the world and back out into my fertility treatment, um, that helped. But it, it it certainly didn't cause me to become pregnant. And similarly, the things that I didn't do um, I don't want to feel guilt or shame for not trying them because, you know, some people might say, oh well, you know, but that's the miracle. That's the miracle cure. If you've done that, if you, if you would just do this, then it would work. You'll get pregnant and you'll have a baby. And that there's, there's, that that's really debilitating and and unkind and disrespectful, I think, because, you know, IVF patients generally have all done their homework. Um, You've done, you know, you would have done a lot of research, um, and you have to just find the things that you're comfortable with within your financial remit, within your, um, you know, mental health remit, all these sorts of things, and cultural, religious, all sorts. Um, and, and when someone suggests a, a, an additional option, I, I personally think it's um, unless they are a fertility expert themselves, I think it's um, it's it's kinder to just sort of say, I hear you, I'm I'm here for you, um, I want to listen um and whatever you need just let me know but I'm not going to you know force my miracle cure down your neck because um, I'm I don't think it's helpful
0: (laughs) (laughs) and you're right they're trying to be helpful you know but it's 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 really not and it does add so much pressure and so yeah. much like you say potential guilt if i don't do those things and i am missing something mm-hmm. um, is that my fault but i think you said at the start about you know it's no one magic thing is it no yeah. one magical thing that if everyone did it they would all conceive easily of course that's not true we know that but it's part of such a big picture isn't it there must have been lots of different things you were doing at that time of course a massive part of that was the medical treatment you were receiving which has mm-hmm. got that you know definite cause causation there of you know egg meat sperm we put the embryo back You know, that's that's a work directly towards helping you get pregnant and anything else is supportive, you know, in whatever way. And like you said about the mindset piece, of course, that's what I'm all about, you know, and that's what I believe has, you know, the biggest potential for a positive impact for people, Um, even if it just helps them get clearer. On their journey Mm. and get clear on, you know, what do I want to do next and what are my next steps and and feeling comfortable. I think you mentioned the word comfortable and I often use that with my clients. You know, how how do you feel right now on your fertility journey with all these different things you're doing? Has it made you feel more overwhelmed and more stressed and you know lacking in more energy um, than if you weren't having you know acupuncture, reflexology, and all the other appointments every single week? You know, it's it's too much, isn't it? If you want
1: the glass of wine, have a glass of wine. Do you know what I mean? It's Mm. I just think that there's. much pressure on people to, to do everything by the book, and there are billions of books. Um, so you're never going to be completely uh, following you know the the go-to guidelines um because it's still an unknown, a largely unknown science, and and they're still working these things through. And I think there's nothing worse, and if you've suffered pregnancy loss in any form at any stage, that to suddenly have that niggling feeling in the back of your mind that maybe it's my fault because I didn't do this or because I did do that. Maybe it's my fault. I mean, there's enough of heartache and um, and self-reflection and all sorts of things that go on with pregnancy loss anyway. But to have guilt and shame um, placed on top of it, I think is um, was really intolerable Mm -hmm. and most people do go through it to some extent because that's just part of the grieving process I suppose but um to to, you know I I I wish that that friends and well-meaning kind of like you know family members or whatever would would sort of back off a bit and just sort of say the best thing I can do for you right now is just to be here and I won't suggest anything unless I'm an expert
0: yeah that's all we want isn't it is a listening ear a bit of space and empathy and understanding that goes a a long way we can work everything else out ourselves absolutely now you obviously bit going through any kind of fertility journey and a long one like yours it brings about so many changes to your life and to you and your personality maybe and um brings out your strengths and your weaknesses you know you, you can learn a lot about yourself can't you along the way what what have you learned about yourself and and how still now as a mother you know a mother to yeah. a, a little boy you
1: know you said you'd had some scars that you're carrying with you could you tell us a little bit about that mm. as well? well I mentioned that I'm very very impatient and um, I think I'm actually my husband tells me that I'm actually much more patient since becoming a mum and I think that's just part and parcel of of just having to be when you've got a little one running around everywhere (laughs) Um, so that's that's a good thing but um, one thing I have realized quite recently I suppose is that um, I've always I've always known that I've been quite controlling I've liked having structure to my life and to my work and um, not controlling in a in a in a boring way I hope Um, but the one thing about the, the main thing for me about IVF or fertility treatment is that it's, it's completely out of your control, not just the end result, but even the process as well, you can plan and plan and plan, and then suddenly your cycle will change or something like that. And so, you know, the treatment that you had planned for next month actually has taken three months because your ovaries just aren't playing ball with it. Um, and that's, I, I found that really, really hard. Um, the sort of, having to be flexible and uh, um, in a situation that you have zero control over and that stayed with me now and so what I've I recently had a conversation with my mother-in-law and I said what I hope for my son is that he is happy healthy and kind and it's kind of like that you know sort of the poster sign isn't it that uh, you know people say happy healthy kind and she said I would add to that creative and flexible and it was just it stayed with me so much because i realized how and um, firstly i'm i'm not i'm more of a doer than the thinker my husband's the thinker and i'm i'm the doer which makes us a good team but um it slightly um inhibits my uh my creativity i suppose um and more on top of that though i'm completely inflexible so when something goes slightly out of kilter in the diary and it can be the tiniest thing it can be you know maybe sonny's a little bit poorly or he's got a cold or he's been sent home from nursery or um i don't know a meeting's changed or something I, I, I can manage it just I don't have a complete meltdown but I'm I'm so inflexible I really struggle with things not going to plan and I'm sure that's a hangover from from fertility treatment and I hope that I can try and get a grip on it because mm. I, I really want my son to be flexible as he grows up and that because you know things don't Things rarely go to plan, um, and I would love it if he can have that ability to kind of be hit with various curveballs in life and just adjust um, and not it not be the end of the world. I think it's a wonderful gift and something that I definitely need to work on in this sort of this next uh, next chapter.
0: Yeah, I think, and also in the world today, aren't we under these COVID world that we're living in? It's yeah. a real test to see how flexible we are isn't it and how we can adjust to constant changes that that are not in our control Um, and I can see how that would be a hangover from the (sighs) fertility treatment which is also controlled isn't it you know exactly what's happening on what day and you need to know and you want to be informed at every step of the way what's happening with your embryos and so on Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's um it can shape you in that way but good it's good to have that awareness though isn't it about ourselves and and then we can start to learn and and grow and you know adapt and 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 bring out those other sides of ourselves so it's
1: interesting you mentioned lockdown as well because I think you know a lot of people have have said publicly now that they're really uneasy about coming out of lockdown and re-entering society again and you know as a relatively new mum I I found that I actually benefited in a lot a lot of ways from lockdown because I didn't have any external pressure or judgment or comparison or anything like that it was just the three of us locked down at home and you know Lewis and I my husband and I just working out how to raise a human being (laughs) and (laughs) um, and there was something really nice about that because I didn't have to be flexible in any way. It was a very structured day. You know, I had whatever it was, 45 minutes to go outside and do some exercise or take the baby for a walk in the buggy. Um and so it is quite anxiety inducing, I think, when you're suddenly having to get back to some sort of normal life. Um, and that includes a lot of required flexibility when plans change or you can go there or you have decisions to make and that, that's hard. It's 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 something that I've got to grapple with as much as I'm obviously desperate to sort of hug everyone
0: (laughs) yeah I hope we have a kind of process that we can step into little by little just to kind Mm. of normalize it again I know I've heard that the same from women in my fertility community have said actually during their fertility journey it's been lovely just to be at home and to have control over whatever they eat and drink and who they choose to see or not see and you know it's been nice to be in that bubble in a way hasn't it It feels kind of safer and more comfortable
1: definitely definitely
0: Well, it's been so, so lovely to speak to you today, Hannah. I know we could carry on speaking for (laughs) another half hour or more. There's so much to talk about around here, but I really, really appreciate you sharing your story here and with the world. You know, I would recommend um, anyone looking out your IVF blog um video blog on youtube it was wonderful to watch that every step of the way and and go through that journey with you it gives such an insight especially perhaps to people who are new to this treatment or trying to understand someone else and what they're going through you know it's so it's such a unique insight so thank you for for creating that and putting that
1: Do you know i still have friends who have conceived children naturally and they're much older Mm -hmm. and they they go and watch those um that ivf diary and (laughs) they there's like they just find it amazing that that human beings start off as embryos yeah, <laughs> it's, it's things exactly. like that that you just don't know about unless you're or think about unless you've gone through treatment
0: <laughs> so that's uh, right we know way more than we ever thought we would about fertility oh, don't we how, yes how ever begins. should ever should ever should <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well thank you so much again uh, thank you take care hannah thank you I'm so pleased you're listening to the Fertile Mindset podcast and now I would love to invite you to join us in the Fertile Mindset Sanctuary. The Sanctuary is my fertility support membership which is focused on taking care of you and helping you enjoy your life while you wait for your baby in the sanctuary i'll guide you through using an amazing technique called eft or tapping and you'll soon be feeling less stressed and more joyful if you're not already in the sanctuary do come and join us today because the best time to start receiving support on your fertility journey is always right now honestly it makes such a difference to have good quality emotional support and techniques that you can pick up and use yourself whenever you need them go to FertileMindset.com slash sanctuary to join us today. I look forward to hopefully seeing you there and at the next episode of the Fertile Mindset podcast.